0: Oh had to work. Oh sorry Steven. Don't you work at the YMCA? No (laughs) oh you've got a different job. Where do you work at now? Um they made you work. Wow. Well thank you for your service. That's not a funny joke. There's people that work for the military. Thank you you I thank you more for your service. (laughs) (laughs) More. I mean you guys did nothing at all and you just sat around. Yeah. How many of you guys are like you were you enjoyed it at the beginning and then you were like starting to get kind of like starting to go crazy after while. Yeah. See, you guys need people too. Human interaction—it's so fun, right? Yeah. For me, I'm like the opposite. I get antsy and like I can't. I get like really like just hyper and stuff at the beginning of it. Like as soon as it hits, I'm like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? Like as soon as they're like, all right, no school, no work, no nothing, everything's closing. I'm like, oh cool. I want to do so many things and I don't have enough time because that's not realistic. I don't know what to start with and I just sit there and then I feel okay after like day two or three. Also, I started growing out my um, super sick mustache. Yeah, thanks, this is, yeah, it's basically a beard by now. Yeah, it's so cool. It grew actually faster than I thought, so that's pretty cool. That isn't a fan, I just saw her thumbs down. It's okay, I'll share it tonight. I literally just kept it just for that joke. So, yeah, okay. No, because I will either look... So I'm, I'm Hispanic, I'm Mexican, but I kind of don't look like it. So if I grow a mustache, I either look super Mexican or I look super Asian and Filipino. I, there's no, like, middle ground. There's no, like, oh, he looks normal. I'm like, no, you're like, what is he? What language do I speak to him? So, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. So way way. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yay. You guys are so excited to be out of your dorms and your house, huh? Cool. So how many of you guys expected some snow? Raise your hand for snow. Yeah. Any h- hopeful people? Yeah. yeah. Wow. A lot of you guys are really optimistic, huh? Yeah. I definitely expected some snow. I literally woke up every day, like, no contacts. And I'm just like, <sighs> like, open my blinds when I guess there's snow <laughs> I can't even see. There was no snow. I was very disappointed. I think that made it even worse, sitting at home like the whole time, because you're like waiting for the snow and it wasn't coming. Anyway, so that brings us to our sermon. I'm really bad at introductions, so I have like nothing to talk about at the beginning. I'm like, boom, get into it. So we'll see. So while I was sitting around at home, I was really bored. I watched a lot of YouTube, HBO Max, and then played some games. And then cod. And then, <laughs> I was, like, really, like, bored. Like, so I wanted to eat everything in the house. That was like, helpful. Went and got a lot of ice cream with some friends. So one thing that I was doing, though, is, like, I was trying to figure out some more, like, I was like, okay, cool. Like, this helps me. I was, like, when I'm staring out the window looking for the snow, I'm also, like, pondering life for some reason. Oh, yeah. Like, I get really dramatic and super, like, sad girl playlist comes on on Spotify. I'm like, contemplate everything about life and existence, Yeah, but I recently had like a dream sometime a couple weeks ago where I was like, I woke up for it and I was like, dude, I hated that dream. Like it was not, I've been getting dreams like this a lot. Like I'm just, I'm just not for it. I'm not here for it. It's like not enjoyable it's not like I don't get those like cool dreams where I'm like yeah I was like flying on a giraffe and like I had like millions of dollars I literally bought everything I wanted I was like six foot four it was great like for me my dreams are like just pure nightmares like pure like just fears and so like I woke up that I think it was sometime last week and I was like you know what like how many of you like wake up from a dream and you immediately go to Google like it's a real person you're like Google what does my dream mean, right? How many of you do that? You're, yeah, okay, wow. Not a lot of people, that's embarrassing. So, I wake up and I do that. I go straight to Google, straight to the internet. I like ask it like my personal questions, like, hey, I have this bad dream, what does that mean? And then I'm like, oh, well, other, and then I find comfort, like other people have a dream that's similar to that, and like there's other, thing, like other things that are involved, and I'm like, cool, like I don't feel alone and weird and crazy. But when I say, like, the word dream, what do you think of, right? Like, we, I, like, I think of that in my nightmares, or I know that we think of, like, well, not just nightmares, but, like, goals, right? Like, aspirations, like, things that we, um, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> everyday, like, daydreaming, too, like, things that yeah. we're just sitting around at work. If you have a boring job or in class, if you have a boring class, yeah. and you just doze off and you're just staring at nothing, you're, like, daydreaming, right? Yeah. It's yeah. almost kind of not the same thing. But when I was seven, I remember when I was seven I had a dream, right? Like I had a dream that I was like gonna magically one day just wake up and have superpowers powers. Like I was like and my superpower I wanted, I don't know why, but as a kid it wasn't like flight or like super strength or anything cool. My dream like was like my superpowers was like the ability to like stare at the clock in class and like make time go by faster—that's that was my superpower for some reason. I don't know why. I could have chose anything. Literally anything else would have gotten me out of class anyways, but I chose that one. Like to just make the bell come back faster. And so I would literally like I would make a face like I'm kind of like holding in a fart, and I would stare at the clock like, really intensely, like just staring directly at it, thinking that if I stared and made myself more constipated, that I would literally make time go by faster. Right. <laughs> I don't know how, and I, so I'm surprised none of you guys are asking me to make that face. But, fart you. faces, yeah. fart faces, that's what I think. Okay, you wanna see the face? You're the worst, Sydney. Do it. Why are you here? Do okay, it. so like, my fart face or my concentrated like, this is my face like to speed up time, okay? You buckle up, okay? I'm gonna do it directly at you. No, I'm gonna do it directly at nothing. That'd be weird. So I would just, like, stare and I'd just be like... <laughs> you know, have you seen that meme, that picture with that guy's vein yeah, like, yeah, just, like, yeah. popping you know, up? That's what it literally, like, uh, that, I was that kid before that guy was even in that picture. Oh. I and mean, I was seven years old. Yeah, so, so old. I guess, wow, that really does a yeah. myself. So fart faces, right? Like, that's what I think about when I, like, the first thing I think of, like, dreams is, like, all oh, my superpowers. Like, I remember the good old days. And... <laughs> But besides the things that we think like differently about dreams, like whether if it's goals or like what we put on a cute little board or like whatever, make a post about it or whatever. Like, there's like a lot of things that we can think of with dreams. Yeah. But there's also a lot of like similar things within like just humans in general, right? Like there's a lot of things that we do, like we like that we dream about, and things that we dream about all have meanings typically and there's a lot that correlate between all humans, right? So like, I looked up on the internet, like everyone else does, what do most people dream about? Like I was like, cool, let me see what like, what do people dream about when they're asleep? And so it really turned out to be like, what do people stress about? Does that make sense if you already can kind of see where it's going? Yeah. I was like, it's not what people dream about. It's what people stress about. Yeah. And dreams are already super like confusing and trippy, and they're just weird. But to see the margin and the difference between entertainment or like yeah. happiness or things that are cool, we have dreams and a lot of dreams that are based out of like, fear right? Yeah. and like, yeah. just inner emotions. Yeah. And so what's common is a lot of people, um, when they were asked, like, what do you think – the purpose of dreams are a lot of people were like putting that it expresses like inner fears and anxieties like everything was negative yeah. and it was like um, reflecting on the past or like the previous day yeah expressing inner desires and what like you really want deep down or problem-solving and conflict management yeah and then there was also the small like <laughs> 6.3% that was like entertainment cause <laughs> just having fun in my dream you know <laughs> like, wishing I could lose the dream which is just staying awake while you're dreaming, but then just like having fun but and this research was done by Sleep. They just did a research and a study based on a lot of people in the nation yeah. across the board of ages. Just like, what do you dream about? And the next list is the most common reoccurring dream, right? Like, what are like what are we consistently dreaming about? Yeah. And this list, it's very, very tiny. Good luck li- if you can read that. You get bonus points in heaven. Um, it's very small. The left and the right, I like. We like zoomed in on a few of them. They are all pretty much pretty negative and fearful. Like you have like drowning or having glass shards in your mouth, mortality, being unprepared for a test, being back at school, being chased, falling, um, meeting a stranger. I don't know why that's so common. But a lot of these things that were just like to people, it's like super scary. Right, and I was like, "Cool, wow, that's crazy." More than ninety-three percent of our dreams are rooted in fear. Wow. That's what, like, literally. I was like, "Okay, that's exactly what it is." Yeah, and it's all pushed and motivated by like these negative outcomes, which I thought it was funny because initially I thought like all our dreams are like I thought we had like more good dreams than negative dreams, like more good dreams than nightmares, or yeah. you just knock out and you don't dream about anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so. I thought it was, like, all goodness or freedom or luxuries or, like, just having a bunch of money in your dream or success um, or getting the things you really desire. Like, I was like, that'd be cool. Yeah. But it's not. (laughs) And I'm sure many of us here probably thought that, too. And while reading this, I was in denial. I was like, there's no way, like, there's no way that we really, like, think about this as much as we do subconsciously. So then I was like, Well, what do we think about when we're awake? Like, what do we? What do Americans dream for their futures? Right? Like when we think like the American dream. I'm like, What is, has that changed? Does that yeah. mean something different for us? And and then it brought me to like, Is there a, tr- a true difference in what we dream about versus what we daydream about? Right? Like, what are we thinking about all the time? Yeah. Yeah. So I I found a really cool study. It was by the PEW Research Center. And it was a study that was conducted initially in 2017. And then revisited. They went and found the people they interviewed and had these surveys for. And they went and asked them after COVID, -COVID, post-COVID, like in 2021. And they were like, hey, what about your life do you currently find meaningful, fulfilling, or satisfying? And they asked a sub-question. What keeps you going and why? Yeah. (laughs) And so... Reading this, I was astonished. Like The majority of people said that life would be more meaningful. Like You can see right here, in 2017 is on the left. The first one is uh, life would be more meaningful, fulfilling, and purposeful if society, places, institutions, freedom, and independence was better. And that went from 8% and 5% up to 14% and 9%. Uh, So their answers increased on that area and that aspect of life. So Since it increased there, it decreased down at the bottom where at the beginning when they were first asked in 2017 before COVID, what's meaningful about life? What's purposeful? What's fulfilling? They said um, material things like, or they said like um, spouses, romantic partners, stability and quality of life was more important before COVID and then after COVID, it's everything else, institutions, society, organizations. Not relationships. So a, pro- a self-preservation decision based yeah. off of a pandemic. Yeah. These people said one thing in 2017 and then changed their answers completely in 2021. Yeah. Because it was a global circumstance that initiated fear. Yeah. Right? And fear of uncertainty produced the desire of stability. They wanted something yeah. that's more stable to hold on to. yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for me, this was really disheartening. I was like, that's so sad. Like, huh. that's what people in our world, like, think is going to make life better. Yeah. And so my dreams are pretty much broken and crushed now. I don't know about <laughs> yours. So what does this tell us, right? And I'd argue that it seems like our dreams are kind of pretty much deceitful in a way, right? It's kind of similar how Scripture tells us that our hearts can be deceitful. Yeah. yeah. And so if our dreams can be deceitful, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, yeah. if our dreams can be deceitful. Are God's plans truly purposeful? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. And I know it rhymes like a megachurch pastor, but that's just how my brain works, and that's probably because I can only really read Dr. Seuss. Um, shout out to the ODGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But seriously, if subconsciously we are super negative and fearful over every single thing that we come in contact to, and consciously we're super negative and fearful over everything we come in contact to, yeah. what do we do with that? We're just, like, scared human beings. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually pretty simple. We exchange your dreams for God's plans. Yeah. yeah. And so it sounds so much easier than what it is, but we exchange our dreams for God's plans. Yeah, yeah. We exchange our dreams for our lives, for God's plans for our lives, for his will, yeah. and we trust him. But why 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 an exchange? Like why do we have to give something for this? And there's so many reasons to that. But most importantly, the best place to start is because your dreams are barely even good for just you. <laughs> yeah. mm. At it's the good. best. Yeah. Whereas God's plans are ultimately better for everyone around you, including you. Yeah. yeah. Just it's just better. That's the best way to put it. It's yeah. just better. Yeah. Yeah. Your plans are very are barely good enough for just you. Where God's plans are ultimately good for everyone around yeah, you, yeah. including you. Yeah. So most of us typically choose our dreams based on our self interest, right? Like, what do we like? What don't we like? Where do we want to work? Where do we want to live? Yeah. What car do we want? Like, we decide a lot of things because we just, it's us, right? Like, we're only communicating with us. And God's plans typically revolve around um, his kingdom and his people before yeah. it ever revolves around you. And so, I feel like it brings up the question, like, well, does, does God want what's best for my life? Like, does God really want what's good for me? yeah. Now, I would say absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, however, is what is best for you what you decide or is it what God confirms? Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, I, I want to clear things up. Like, I know, right? Like, if you're like me, you have this idea like, ooh, if I get this job or this promotion, right? Like, if I get this uh, job that pays more for less hours, that's a no-brainer. And if I get paid more and I don't have to be at work as much because I've definitely <laughs> done this. This is me. But like, you're like, if I don't have to be at work as much and I get to like, that gives me more time for ministry, right? Like, yeah. that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And we, we assume like, just because it's a good thing or it could be even for God that it's a God thing. Yeah. We assume that immediately like substitutes his role in our thoughts, right? Uh, yeah. Come on. Like, we choose what's best for ourselves but we also ultimately choose on behalf of God himself. Oh, yeah. And so we do this and we just assume that everything just happens to align with God. Why not? It's good. It's good. God wants what's good for me. We're <laughs> like, it's for God. It's literally ministry. It's literally to be at church more, small group more. Yeah. And we do that just with the assumption that it involves him immediately. Yeah. But that's not always true. Yeah, it's right. So where do we go from here? Like, how do we go from like, okay, well, what do we do with like having no dreams, no hope, no goals for our <laughs> lives too? How do we have, like, what does God's plans mean? It's not yeah. some Drake song, but it, like, it probably means something more. And in exchange for God's plans, an exchange is, like, I think the best word because it requires something to give up. Like, yeah. you're giving something for something greater. Yeah, And we know that everything that has great value typically has a great cost as well. Yeah. yeah. And so there's three things that we're going to take a look at tonight. I think we'll have a lot of fun. So the first <laughs> one is true exchange. Like, the exchange requires... Surrender? Yeah. yeah. The exchange requires faith, yeah. and the exchange requires joy. Yeah. And so we'll start with surrender, yeah. and we'll jump right into Psalms 127 because it's the shortest, easiest, like little thing that just makes so much sense. <laughs> and I like when things just make sense, like yeah. in a couple sentences. Okay. And in Psalms 127, we, we, in verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, who, uh, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So we surrender because we realize there's nothing good outside of God. Yeah, yeah. We surrender because you know if you build a house and it does not involve the Lord, it ultimately um, it's ultimately evil yeah. because you by yourself in your natural state are evil. Yeah. And I know that sounds super like accusatory like I'm just like saying you are evil And you're like <laughs> how do you know if I'm evil? <laughs> I'm just saying like because everything you do typically when you're not following the Lord or doing it for him, typically is rooted. In yourself self-preservation it's, yeah well, we would use the word selfishness and yeah. and it's just for us right like it's literally for us and then but the hard part is that also what we choose is also rooted in fear we operate in fear yeah and like it's super simple like let's look back at the garden of eden right in the beginning of humanity and we see that that place must have been the first feeling of fear yeah when eve Uh, pondered on the thought when the serpent came up to Eve and was like giving her a conflict to think about something to actually consider and the only thing that made her reconsider. And for Eve to sit there, and I can't imagine the fear, but like questioning, does God really know what's best for me? Yeah. Like that literally is, that's an internal conflict. That's an internal decision she had to look at. It's like, does God really know what's best for me? Does he really know what's best for Adam? Does he, is he really like, what if this isn't all... For, for my well-being, for, for me to yeah. be happy. And she made a choice. Yeah. And you see, the serpent created a conflict. And that conflict produced a fear. Yeah. And that fear ultimately leads to self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah. And another way to put it is the first human interaction with fear immediately produced a selfish decision outside of God's will. Yeah, that's right. Come on. Yeah. Side note, some of you here probably have actually um, maybe not experienced what we would say the Garden of Eden or heaven on earth or even just goodness in your life, but you've probably maybe feel like you've watched through your own personal hell. And I wanted to clarify that like that, that's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm not saying your circumstance is your fault because yes. that's not true. Yeah. Um, I just want to make it clear that even in those moments, though, just like Eve, you still have to make... A decision that's based on self-preservation or through your own will and strength versus going through the Lord yeah. and going to make those choices solely on the will of the Lord. Yeah. yeah. And let me just tell you that you were going through, I mean, you could be going through a lot of stuff right now, but typically you have the most to give up and the most to sacrifice. But you also have the most, the, the greatest reward at the end of it, whether if it's on earth, on this side of eternity or in heaven. Um, I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm talking about true peace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, there's a reward there. Yeah, yeah. And so the difference of, uh, the difference between, like, like, the first humans on earth, right? Like, Adam and Eve or the rest of humanity. The difference between that is the aspect of, like, true sons and daughters of the Lord, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a huge difference between, like, being a son and daughter, you aren't filled with fear as much when you're around a parent, right? Like a loving parent. So when you're around a loving father and you are your true son and daughter that is loved, there's usually less fear there. Yeah, yeah. And you are usually filled with more comfort and joy, ultimately. Yeah. So just like comfort and joy and you, substitutes the substitutes of fear, Romans eight fifteen says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry out, Abba, father. So it doesn't matter what you're giving up. It just matters that you give it up because the Lord is good. And apart from him, you have nothing good and you can do nothing good. And so that's surrender. That's what it looks like. We'll dive back more into this. But the exchange, the second thing is the exchange requires faith. Like to exchange your dreams for God's will requires faith, right? How many of us you like, you're scared? Like, well, what if? Or like, I don't know if I can just blindly do that. (laughs) But Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, I feel like everyone's heard this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So the good thing about the Lord is he is just trustworthy. He's faithful. And at the end of surrender, we always find like this tangible hope. There's always something there. And so... Me and Beth were talking about this whenever I was looking at this part of the sermon and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, is there a story or analogy? And we were like, how many of you, okay. Uh, how many of you have kids? Oh, cool. <laughs> I am just seeing if we've got any right of hand. I'm like, oh, congratulations. <laughs> well, I, I feel like basically I kind of have a kid too. And yeah. um, it's Gabriel. How many of you guys have seen the little, uh, oh, Gabriel. Oh, oh, cool. oh. It kind of looks like a cuter Bruno Mars. <laughs> <laughs> not saying that Bruno Mars isn't cute or not saying he is whoa, cute whoa. <laughs> We're recording this just, I don't know what else to do in those moments So um, My beautiful wife though I mean, So Gabriel is So Gabriel does this thing right And Gabriel is super sweet He's usually just, just very well at sharing but, Right Gabriel? But the funniest thing like sometimes is those moments Where you catch Gabriel where he like really has something He wants and okay. he, like and someone, whether if it's me or our dog or like someone else, like or someone else's kid, like comes up to him and he's like, mm? and he's like, and he'll like go and grab something else yeah, yeah, yeah. and like come back and he'll have like hold both holding both of them and he'll take the thing that like the other person wanted and he'll like put it behind his back, <laughs> like as if it just like disappeared and he'll like turn around and be like, mm? and he yeah. like, and then for me, I'm like, I want what's behind your back, but like other kids are like, okay, and they just take it. And I think it's just funny. But, like, through that, like, we got this image of, like, oh, like, like, I realize, like, Gabriel doesn't trust me with this <laughs> toy. Like, he doesn't share what's near and dear to his heart. Like, when he's in, when, in that moment, right? Like, it's like a fake, like, sacrifice or a fake gifts. Like, because he, he doesn't have any faith that I will give it back to him. Wow. And he doesn't have faith that I could potentially reward him for that. Yeah. Just for the act. And then I think, even just differently, is the fact that I could give him a better toy. Yeah. Yeah. And because basically I, I helped raise him, um, along with Jonathan, my other uh, parent, parental, parental partner. Um, I hope you're recording this. Yeah, yeah. It's But all Gabriel can see in that moment is like, all Gabriel can see in that moment, along with other kids and just people who do this, is... It's hard to not see what's just being taken from you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Or what, you, what is required to give up. Yeah, yeah. And when you don't have that kind of faith and that kind of hope, it's hard. Yeah. You give up a false gift or a false, a false like, surrenderance of something. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And I feel like we do the exact same thing. Yeah, 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 With the Lord and with those around us. Yeah. With our hopes and dreams. Like, if we're like, oh, like... I really want to do the same. And then you feel like something in you, like you down, and you're like, I shouldn't really be doing this. But you're like, but what if I attach it with like, well, I'm, I'm also going to be doing this or I'm going to be doing it for the Lord. And it gives me time for Kyle. And you like add attachments to things like you're like making it sound better. But we know that it's not the thing that the Lord's asking us to give. Yeah, yeah. We're holding it behind our back and we're uh-huh. grabbing something different. Yeah. And We just here, take this. What about this? Yeah. And it, just brings, it reminds me of Romans 8.28 And then we'll like look at that a little bit more But we know uh, And we know That for those who love God All things work together for good For those who are called according to His purpose yeah. So our trust in God Is not ever devoid of real hope yeah. He's not like us He's never sinned against us He's never sinned against you yeah, right. Right? He's never made a th- decision That's selfish on your behalf That robs you of what you really need right yeah. like he is like what i said with gabriel like i could be i, I have a better toy yeah. give that toy up i got yeah. i got you a new one yeah right i'll give it back and i'll give you more back yeah. so we yeah. ought not to treat him as though he has no means to fulfill our hopes because he does yeah. That's right. yeah. and he knows what what you deeply desire he knows what you want yeah but i think he's a little better than us but by a lot to know that what we want isn't just uh isn't just like the material things or the things that we just see yeah and so the exchange requires true joy this one's my favorite one because I, I thought this one was like exactly what the lord was like wanting me to talk about was the joy behind this yeah like there's there's so much that's like okay i just gotta go do the legalistic thing i gotta like oh okay i'll do this for god i'll give up this like Job or this aspiration, or I won't get that super fancy car, but I'll get this other fancy car. Okay. But like, to like, <laughs> still make ourselves happy. But I think there's true joy behind this, and it makes me think of uh, Scroggins told me about this. And I was like, dude, that's it. And then I like, we added another parable, but the parable of the hidden treasure. If you've ever read that one in Matthew 13, it's like yeah. just the epitome of all of this. Yeah, I think it's great. So the parable of the hidden treasure, you can reread it. And then you can read the next uh, parable, too, at home because there's a lot to unpack there. Matthew 13:44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Yeah. So when he found that field, he knew it to be, to be true and to be good. Yeah. He didn't have questions of like, hope of financial investments. Or overall, he knew that it would just sustain. Whatever it is, whatever it's worth, he immediately saw and was like, that's more than what I have. And didn't even have to sit and count it. Yeah. And he knew that it would be worth exchanging everything he had for it. He knew that from what he was giving, what he was getting, that there was no reason to mourn over what he was giving up. Yeah. I'll say that again, because I think that's very important. That's the whole purpose of the joy part. Yeah. He knew that what he was getting, that there was no reason to mourn over what he was giving up. Yeah. That's right. In fact, I don't think that there was a moment during this exchange that he was sitting there like, Oh, I found this amazing treasure hidden in the fields. I gotta go home, I gotta go like sell this small thing or that small thing. Like I think of like my TV, my PS5, my, I'm like, what are my big purchase items, like my an iPad, a laptop, like what I would do if I was like in need. Like I'm like I don't think he was doing that. Like, let me put together a little garage sale, see how much I make, see if I can barely get up to that amount. He was like, dude, I'm like, there was no question about it. All Right. He sold everything. And the cost of that field was outrageously outweighed by the gain to obtain the field. That mean that made it the price obsolete. Like the price, whatever it took to get it didn't matter. The man who bought the field had a perfect perspective of reality. Yeah. Yeah. He knew exactly what he had found. He knew exactly what it would cost to get that. Yeah. And what he would have to give up. And in all the graciousness, Jesus actually gives us another parable. And another perspective of like the process of this exchange. right? Because he knew that reality doesn't always reflect to what we feel. Yeah. right? Sometimes we feel like there could be a lot of circumstances there. That we feel there's more weight there. And I think Jesus knew that, and he's very gracious in that. So he gives us this parable of the two masters. There are two masters that a servant is given the option of choosing. There's the first one. The first is a terrible uh, slave driver who only assigns grueling and endless tasks that have no true purpose. And there's a second master who is kind, and in his stature, As a means to bring, and he uses his stature as a means to bring such servants into his home in order to provide for them. He befriends them and always uh, ends up considering them his very family. There is no distinction between servant or family for this master. And you probably easily put yourself in the place of the servant, right? And Jesus in the place of the good master. But did you know that you are actually, you have two places you can fall into, not just a servant, but you can also be the cruel master. You give yourself grueling, endless, and purposeless tasks and call it a life plan. You build elaborate dreams with endless work and plenty of self-loathing, all to be disappointed or dissatisfied, leaving you wanting more. You make entire dreams of fear and worry only to feed your fears and worries. (laughs) And you're probably the master because you're scared of losing that sense of control in your life. The sense of stability. The sense of independence. And sadly, even the best work you give yourself has this subtle feeling of emptiness. Like you feel like what you're doing, like you're like, you have to convince yourself that there's something there. Because if not, it just feels so empty. Yeah. You are the cruel master. Mm. Jesus. And the band can come back up. I'm already going super fast, super speed. And I think it's okay for us to acknowledge that we can also potentially be the, the cruel master in this story. And it makes sense, right? Like, it makes sense because there's a real cultural acceptance and identity tied to self-independence and self-preservation, uh, right? We see it all around us. Yeah. There's, like, praise to the hustle culture. There's praise to you doing things and making it on your own. And then there's pressure from family, right? There's pressure from the world. There's what if another pandemic happens and I'm not ready, I don't have enough. We essentially become... Those crazy doomsday preppers, like just grabbing, 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 gathering, gathering, gathering. And then ultimately, those doomsday preppers. One day, it'll come to an end. Yeah. And this culture, is making it on your own culture. Maybe there's there's something true there, right? Maybe there's something like tangible, like oh, I can I can get a good life. I can have the American dream. I can buy a good home. Right, like you can get somewhere. I think that's totally possible. I've done it in moments of my life. Like I've had enough money, I've got a good job, and I've like gotten to these places where I'm like, yeah, I'm good right now. Like I got here, I'm I'm set right now. And maybe you can get good, but I just believe that you deserve better than just good. Yeah. And I believe that God knows what is truly good for you because He is truly good. Yeah. And if you're super analytical right now, you're probably examining and considering all the risks, right? Like, what does this take? This risk to give up something? Yeah. But I think what do you have to lose in this is a lot. Yeah. Like, what you have to lose is a lot. It's the, co- it's the difference between eternity, it's the difference between being closer to the Father versus being distant to the Father. Yeah. Jesus. Where the Father goes, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And this whole time we're doing just good things and we're doing the God thing. And it never aligns to his will. And in the what ifs that you think about, well, what if you found the treasure in the field? Like what if that is the what if you experience? Or what if you did find the good master? Would you not give up everything for that? Yeah. I know I have, and I know I'm still, it's a daily thing Finding more and more things to give up. And it gets harder and harder. But the reward, and whether it's on this side of eternity or not, the peace that comes from it, yeah. to just know that I'm doing it with the Lord, yeah. is more security than this world can ever give you. Sure. It's more security than what I can ever get yeah. from just doing good things and getting somewhere with myself. Because yeah. the moment it's gone, the moment it's snatched away from you, you're left with just yourself and nothing else. <laughs> And for me, during this process, it was well worth all that I surrendered. And it still is. It is well worth all that I have feared in moments and in these fearful moments where I had to respond in faithfulness. It was well worth true joy and excitement over fake smiles and empty happiness. Yeah. Look, there are two masters in these parables. And tonight, I think it's very important for you to be reminded that you cannot serve two masters. Yeah. Right? You see, the hardest reality with exchanging something that's this heavy and that's this large is that it requires both hands. It's not you holding on to everything you want in one hand and hiding it behind your back, and then going to the Lord with some random object. And you're just like, here, Lord, take this instead. Yeah. To, give, to exchange something that's this heavy and weighted yeah. and this large of your life, your whole life, requires both Preacher, hands. Preacher. 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 I think it's very important tonight that you yeah. have an opportunity. You have an opportunity here to come to the altar, right up front, Yeah. and kneel before the Lord with open hands, both hands, yeah. and just say, Lord, I, I'm not hiding anything behind my back. Yeah. And if, if there's something there that's behind me that I don't see, Lord, point that out. Yeah. Lord, help me see something that I'm trying to leave behind and hide. Yeah. And lay your hands open before him. Because yeah. there's so many possibilities of different things that could happen. Either he'll just help you take off that load. His yoke is easy, his burden's light. He'll help you take it off and you won't feel weight that it's all upon you and dependent on what you can do. Yeah. Or he'll give you something greater. He'll put something on your heart. He'll give you an image of a country or a people or a profession and a career that's that's beneficial and, and it's meaningful because he can change the kingdom with your life. Yeah. And so I just want you to, wherever you're at tonight, whether you stay in your seats, but I think the altar is a good place to, yeah. to give things up, to surrender to have open heart and open mind and open hands on just inviting the Lord into your life in those areas that maybe you feel like you've tried to hide and I'll pray and then we can go ahead and spend time with the Lord, spend time with each other bow your heads and close your eyes dear Heavenly Father, God I thank you for tonight Lord I thank you for all my friends that are here today. God, is Jesus. I thank you for the things that you've given us, God. The things that you've called and pointed out in our lives and the people around us, Lord. Lord, I know that I know that I know that there is a purpose and a real